0: Welcome to the Healthy Hustlers Podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. Today's guest is joining me from WA, a youth worker and former bachelor contestant. Brooke Blurton has the kindest soul and warmest nature. A proud Indigenous woman, Brooke's passion for her culture and heritage shines bright throughout our whole conversation. Gracing the TV screens across the nation in The Bachelor and The Bachelor in Paradise, Brooke soon became the girl that our nation adored, with a bright spark and an oozing passion to make positive change. During this healthy conversation, Brooke chats to me about her upbringing, the importance of educating ourselves on Indigenous culture and how we can do so, her personal healing journey and her dedicated role as a youth worker. I absolutely adored this chat with Brooke, and I know you guys are going to love it. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that due to the current restrictions that have been enforced due to COVID-19, this episode has been recorded online. Therefore, the sound quality may vary from other episodes. I appreciate your understanding during this time. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by Donada sugar-free ice cream. Zero added sugar and zero compromises on deliciousness. Hello, beautiful Brooke, and welcome to The Healthy Hustlers podcast. I'm super, super excited to have you on here today. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, Maddie. I am a little bit crook, like I'm good and well mentally but physically I'm a little bit a little bit sick at the moment.
0: A bit under the weather you've had a lot going on you've just been on the most amazing trip can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah I guess I think it's definitely the consequences of going full speed ahead in the last couple of weeks. Um, Yeah I just went and did a north trip in collaboration with Tourism WA, so I basically did the WA coastline um, all the way up and ending in Exmouth, which was absolutely stunning. Um, obviously, I don't want to don't, don't want to brag too much because I feel very cautious of people who are um, stuck in isolation at the moment. So I'm um, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep no, the information <laughs> a bit limited.
0: Well, it honestly inspired um, me because I was looking at all your photos and it just looked so incredible and I actually said to my husband like – you know with everything that's happening now and obviously going overseas is probably a long way in the future having that opportunity again and after seeing all your beautiful photos I said to my husband why don't we try and do WA next year and do all of that coastline so it's definitely inspired me to organize a beautiful trip for my family next year and have something to look forward to so I'm glad that you were sharing it all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know, and that was the whole point, I guess, of the campaign is like really to encourage. Obviously, before all this sort of stuff happened, but um, I guess some restrictions being lifted and then being able to travel around. But I think WA, you know, it's such a hidden gem. Like a lot of people really under, undermine how beautiful it is. But like, I guess yeah. I got to experience that firsthand. I guess but also being a country girl as well, I really do appreciate getting out in country again.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that's probably one of the most beautiful things that will be to come from this experience or not being able to travel overseas is that it will kind of encourage a lot of us to explore our own backyard and, mm-hmm. you know, to head over to pa- places like WA. I think for us living in Victoria, sometimes it seems so far away or like, you know, you can get to Bali in a similar time or you know there's always that thought pattern of um so I think it's going to be really special to be able to spend some time in our in our own country and really explore all the beauty that it has to offer um you did just touch on growing up though in the country I'd love you to share a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up with the audience so always been in
1: WA um actually no sorry I lie I did live in Sydney for maybe a year or so but um soon definitely went home got a bit homesick But yeah, I grew up in a place called Carnarvon, which is about nine ten hours drive from Perth. It is a very small town, so very small population, very country. It's on the coast, so obviously we're not too far from the beach. But yeah, my childhood was a little bit, um, I guess a little bit different to most. I grew up with an Aboriginal Malaysian mother and an English father, but mum and dad were separated and I had four other siblings Um, on my mum's side so yeah childhood we we quite we moved around quite a bit and my mum was just a single mum sorry not just a single mum an incredible single mum and she you know had five kids to look after plus my nan um, and then plus any other family that would be be there as well so in Carnarvon it's it's quite small there's not a lot happening I grew up with quite a lot of things happening in the household um, surrounded by things that I guess young people shouldn't really be surrounded by. Um, But I guess, you know, those experiences have sort of navigated my path in that way so, um, you know, it's taught me that that's not the type of stuff that I would really be involved with growing up or would like to
0: No, I love that. And I guess on, you know, anyone who does follow you or online or knows of you would really know how proud you are of your Aboriginal heritage. Was Mm -hmm. that something that you learnt during your childhood? Was it something that kind of your family was surrounded by and involved in or was it something that you really educated yourself on? I'm actually
1: learning more about the history as time goes on. So I probably forgot to mention that when I was eleven. Unfortunately, I lost my mum and my nan only a month apart. My mum unfortunately took her own life and my nan had just died from um, sickness and health issues. So obviously being so close together and losing probably the most two influential and, yeah, losing the two influential women in your life is a really hard thing, I guess, to go through so young but also then having to, like, navigate the world So I have really connected with my culture. Um, My mum and my nan taught me to be really proud of it. And I guess growing up, there were some things that really confused me or really had me questioning a few things. We'll go probably more into that down the line um, about what's happening in the world. But I guess my Aboriginality was that, was something that really centered me and grounded me. And I, I think as I go on and, you know, get older and how I've, you know, developed a career over time, I've learned that that is my center and that is my grounding and always revert back to culture and country and land. So I'm always learning and I guess, you know, losing mum and dad so young, you we lost a big part of learning And I guess passing those traditions on. And I think now I just hold on to those really good memories and then constantly always teaching and learning new things, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How at 11, like it's such a young age to lose to such influential people women in your life like they're you know your absolute rocks um how did you deal with that having younger siblings
1: if you had my family on here like my brothers they would definitely vouch for this um I guess as a young girl I was a little bit bossy in a sense that I had a I think I really really copied my mum in a way. My mum was very yeah, strong okay. woman. She yep. um, was very strict with some things that, you know, she did and said. So I, I guess I really adapted those from her. And then I kind of took this role on as being like a carer in my family. Yeah. Um, before my nana was sick, I looked after her. So before my nana got sick, I was basically a full-time carer, for her um and sometimes I missed out on school because I would have to stay home and either look after my nana or also look after my younger siblings so yeah I missed out on a bit of school because of that reason but I think I just naturally adapted that caring role because I had a sense of responsibility and and at the time you know it's not I guess in m- most standard families I was gonna say normal but I don't really know what normal <laughs> normal is but um you know, standard families, you know, it's the parents that have that responsibility of, of taking care of the family or the mum and dad. And because circumstances and the environment that I was living in, I naturally had to adapt that. And, you know, I took it on, took it in as my role in my family. Yeah. And, and my family still now heavily rely on me till this day. And I'm fine with that. I love that because I guess that's just now inbuilt in me. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, and, I, you know, it yeah. translates in my job. It translates um, in my relationships. Yeah, it's kind of just one of those things that I guess when you're young and you're going through all these experiences and sometimes, they, you know, they're quite traumatic or they're a bit – You know, overwhelming. I think you you learn to to survive. It's it's kind of like a survival mode thing. Mm. And I think at a younger age, unfortunately, my mum suffered from quite a strong drug addiction, and it was you know on and off drugs throughout my life. I think you do learn to just navigate life on your own as independent as you can, and you are in a bit of survival mode, looking after your your siblings as well.
0: Yeah. You said that you don't really know what normal is, I mm-hmm. guess. At 11, did you know that? Like, did you know that it wasn't normal, the environment that you were living in? Or was it just so natural to you to be in that, that you kind of didn't know anything different? I
1: guess now being older and then looking outside in, some things, you know, I think, wow, I can't believe like I actually went through that and I just yeah. navigated it, you know, like I just kind mm-hmm. of wrote it off um, and, you know, I guess, you know, no family is normal or perfect at all. And and I, I definitely, you know, I don't know what an ideal of perfect family is but I, I love my family and the dynamic that we, we grew up around or grew up in because at the end of the day we always reverted back to family, whatever was happening yeah, in our life, that. it always reverts back to the connection family and that was really strong I think having my dad in and out of my life as well my dad was being English and not really understanding culture and what that means to me there was I guess that separation of that relationship and you know I, I was always drawn back to my mom no matter how glamorous or stable my my father and his life and his family were I always reverted back to, to culture and it's it's really unusual to, to think because you're like, Wow, I could have, you know, I guess I could have seen it as a sort of free pass um, and not have to go through all these things in life, you know, and chose to live with my dad but I, I didn't want that. Like I chose to be with my mum, be with my family and then later on, obviously by default I actually then had to, <laughs> to go live with my dad. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I had been taught so so much resilience, I think.
0: Yeah, you obviously absolutely would have learned so much during that time. And I think it's so nice what you touched on about like just wanting to be with your mum. I think, I don't know, this might be quite spiritual or deep for some people, but I think since having my daughter, I'm such a true believer that we as souls, like we choose who we need in our life and I think we choose the mothers that we need to kind of give us the experiences and the lessons and the pathways for what we are meant to be in this this lifetime. So, yeah. um, you know, when you're saying that, I was like, you know, you're obviously so connected and so drawn to your mother and and needed to go through that to be the woman that you are destined to be today and, and to be having all of the positive impacts that you are on, you know, younger children today. So I really like that you, yeah, touched on that and said that you always felt quite drawn to her. Yeah. I guess from your your cultural background, there's obviously been some pretty big movements, incredible movements here in Australia Um, the last few months after seeing all the Black Lives Matter take place in the US, um, we've had a really beautiful movement here in Australia where we've been called to, I guess, learn more about our First Nations people and to implement some really serious change. How have you personally found this period of time? Because I know, you know, a lot of different people I've connected with online have felt that, you know, it's been a pretty intense time for them and it's been at times quite draining or overwhelming. um, So I'd love to kind of hear how you're processing all this time and how your energy is feeling. Firstly, you, you always need
1: to acknowledge, you know, what happened in America and the US and I guess always acknowledge, you know, the family of what's happened to poor George Floyd and and the tragedy around that. And I think you always feel for the family surrounding the people that, you know, who have passed and in not really nice circumstance. Personally, in this year, and I've really been trying to, I guess, adapt a lot more, I guess, (laughs) self-care. And I think, you know, I understand that working in that space self-care is really important in these times and I've been on a a huge healing journey myself and then to be on social media and to see all this tragedy and, and the movement happening it really really challenged my thought processing what I'm trying to say is that I was on this healing journey and then to see this sort of stuff it just taught me how much more healing we need to do here in Australia. And I guess specifically for First Nations people, I found the whole experience quite overwhelming. I must admit seeing it and seeing the videos and then seeing people's commentary and and the news about it, it's really, I guess, opened up people's eyes to what still happens in the US, but also obviously is happening here in Australia. So, and to us specifically to our First Nations people who obviously have been here for so many years and are still confronted by huge systemic racism. And I guess I've also, my family have experienced it. I've actually personally experienced racism in school and in the education system and obviously still in my career. So, yeah, it's when it personally affects you and, and you see it, it definitely,
0: yeah, it can be sometimes overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, it's been so eye-opening, I guess. Like, I'll be the first to admit that I absolutely did not know the extent of it here in Australia. I don't think a lot of people did. I don't think majority of people did, to be honest. Um, And I just couldn't even imagine what you would have been feeling or how overwhelmed you would have been, especially during that intense time where it was all over social media and the news and stuff like that, because yeah, like it's really heartbreaking to think that we have ever let it get to that or that we, and that we just don't know enough about what's happened here on our own, our own home soil. Yeah. What are some of the changes, I guess, that you personally would love to see happen? Definitely more learning You know,
1: this whole thing that's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement. This is only the beginning, I guess. And this is time for now, for all Australians to now positively engage with Indigenous issues here in Australia. Like I think it's a, like you said, an an eye opener. And it's got people, you know, accepting that they haven't got that knowledge or they haven't got that education. And, and I think that's a really good thing. I think it's, you know, people are now acknowledging, wow, I live in this country and I still don't know anything about First Nations people of this country. And, you know, the history is real. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of people, I guess, are a little, and I hate use, I would use this word lightly, but ignorant because I think sometimes people aren't ignorant, they just don't know. And, and yeah. that's fine. And I, because, you know, I, I still personally am learning about culture and Aboriginal education. I'm not a guru or I'm not an elder who knows absolutely everything. And I don't expect non Indigenous people to just completely understand everything. Whereas if, you know, I'm supposed to, I don't. Um, yeah. So we're all on this journey. And I'm, I'm really happy that people are now standing up and, and I guess not being silent. I think silence is where the real issue is because it's allowing racism to continue to happen. And I think a lot of people now are recognizing it and acknowledging it when it, it, when it does happen or if it does happen to someone else or themselves personally. Yeah. I think silence is the biggest killer and, I want to see more learning. It starts with education. I'd like people to start doing more research, asking questions, again, actively engaging yourself with Indigenous issues, communities, teachings, and people to, you know, seek out and actually want to know this stuff or complete, you know, cultural competency courses, volunteer, donate, whatever. There is so much that you can do. It is literally like opening Pandora's box, but it, it's, I think this is now a first first step um, yeah, and I've, I've seen, you know, through social media, through media, huge, huge change and, you know, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm not, obviously I'm still on this healing journey um, of taking care of myself and, and what I need to do. So I'm never really in full capacity, but I can't wait to see so much more of what people can do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that so much. I think that's, yeah, really beautiful advice. And anyone listening, I think we can make time to be educating ourselves on what has taken place, you know, what our history is here.
1: I think a lot of people are just, they just don't know where to go. And I understand that. It's like, where do you, where do you start? Right. And we've got such powerful advocates here which you can navigate through social media and Instagram through socials now like we've also stepped up I think you know as Aboriginal people ourselves you know we've always had to sort of in some way prove ourselves and I think you know some of us have really stepped up to the plate and been like hey look I'm here I'm I'm your resource come listen to me come sit with me and I think that's where the the real growth happens as well because we now, you know, have these platforms and and resources so accessible and obviously, you know, keeping in mind that these people aren't always going to be accessible, but, you know, they're really open to the learning and growth that people want to do in that area. So, you know, I always say to people that want to learn, my DMs are always open. Um, If I don't have capacity, I can always, you know, forward on to someone else who would be willing to do it. But also, you know, it's about the initiative of taking your own responsibility and doing it yourself. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, and and keeping people accountable, um, not only other people but yourself, being like, I don't know this. How do I find
0: out? We'll be right back after this healthy break. Once upon a time, I quit eating ice cream because of the unnecessary sugar I was consuming. Then I got introduced to Donatico and my life changed forever. Co. is a sugar-free ice cream range that is made right here in Australia by three Perth girls. Containing no added sugars, all natural ingredients, nothing artificial and approximately half the calories of a serving of traditional ice cream. It is no wonder why I'm completely hooked. Praised for having minimal and cleaner ingredients, Donatico are changing the way we consume dessert with no compromises on taste or texture. Donatico ice cream is so creamy and delicious; it's hard to believe it's sugar-free. Donata sugar-free ice cream is available in 1,300 stores around Australia, including Coles and IGA. Head to donatico.com to find your local stockist, or simply click the link in the show notes there's so many beautiful resources now and so many people that are so passionate online sharing I know I've learned so much so quickly just from watching different Instagram lives and IGTVs Mm -hmm. about people who are really passionate about it and are sharing the history and you know it's amazing that they're they now have that platform and that voice to be able to. So I think, yeah, we can all be taking the time to educate ourselves a little bit more and and even just making the change at home. Like I know for me personally, as, as a young mum, like straight away, I was like, okay, well, how am I in our home fostering that environment that we always show love and compassion to every single person, no matter where they're from in the world and you know to do that I kind of looked through the different books that I read Georgia and made sure there was a lot of diversity in in the books and the people in the books and you know what stories like she's only 10 months but like I'm <laughs> of the belief that she's still absorbing that sort of stuff and um, there's you know there's some really beautiful books out now like that have people from all different cultures in the, in the drawings and, you know, about kindness and about how we create change. And they're such simple little steps, but I think if we, if we create the change in our homes and in our hearts, I know there was a beautiful, I don't know if you saw that quote, um, or it was an illustration by Oh Happy Danny. And it was mm-hmm. like, change it in your home, change it in your heart and then change it in the world. And it was such a beautiful, thing I think to to see and think that's exactly how I personally can start to, to help be part of the change along with education. So um, yeah. yeah, I loved that you shared all of that. I would love to touch on your work though, because you know it obviously just oozes through this whole chat already, just how kind and compassionate you are. Um, and you are a youth worker in Perth. I'd love to talk a little bit about your job and, you know, you've touched on self care and you know how you're healing at the moment like how do you find that balance between a job that i'm sure is incredibly emotional at times or requires a lot of your love and attention mm-hmm. with also filling up your own cup and making sure that you're giving yourself time to heal this is definitely something i'm still navigating and
1: i think people go through their life in their careers always learning always Pushing yourself I love my job and I love working with young people I, I've I, I can't believe that you know I've been working in this area for now five years that I can say that I, I have a passion for like you know I have found a purpose and I found my passion in something because I think yeah I found it so young and every day you know I'm constantly challenged I'm constantly thrown off by something and you know it's always you're asking yourself different questions every day (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I, I still at the end of the day I still love what I do and I think youth work specifically obviously entails working with young people and I I don't know why but I choose to work with and you know they would be described as at risk and tough kids naturally and that's you know what we categorize these kids into in society but for me you know every kid has a story and every kid or young person sorry is on a journey just like we are and they just need their path you know they just need help with their the navigation of their path and and to sort of be put on this on their way um, and they, they don't have the skills or sometimes the coping mechanisms to be able to to deal with everything that life hits with them with. But, it, you know, you've gone through it personally. I've obviously gone through my experiences. So I've learned from them and it's also then passing that information down to them. And they don't always listen. <laughs> you know, people, they don't want to listen.
0: Um, no, they know better. Yeah, as you did at
1: 16. Exactly. Well, you know, and the thing is, you know, when I was 11, I thought I knew better. I thought I kn- had my life figured out, you know. Totally. And I see the same behaviour and I see the same, <laughs> I just see myself sometimes in these young people um, and especially, yeah. you know, the ones that, do go through some really traumatic experiences or even, you know, I just passed around the system just like the, what do you call that game? (laughs) Pass the parcel, you know? So, And I think I realised what I didn't have in my life growing up and it's something that I've strived for in my adult life. So, you know, consistency, stability, passion and i teach the kids that you know you might not have consistency in some areas um, but you can provide that for yourself in other ways and these kids you know they don't have stable homes they don't come from areas that are the most you know i guess low low socioeconomic so they don't have access to some things that some kids would but they just honestly they take it on and it's so hard to watch sometimes but at the end of the day, I just remind myself that they're still on a path, and you're just helping them take little baby steps to navigating mm-hmm. them on their journey. And it is hard sometimes to come home and not take it home. And as a youth worker and a you know a social worker or in community services, you are equipped with the skills to be able to you know put up these boundaries. These boundaries are more for your safety personally. Sometimes they're not always about professional boundaries. They're actually just for your safety, about, you know, not holding on to things and not dealing with things and and then building up and, and like you said, pouring out your cup too much and you have nothing else to give. Yeah, so like I said, I love my job and I love working with young people. I work with all types of young people, um, Indigenous, -indigenous, non-Indigenous, some refugee young people. So every day is just I'm surprised by the level of resilience and strength that, you know, young people do have but also the societal pressures that happen as well, I guess, even just, you know, through social media and TikTok and all these platforms that, you know, sometimes do more harm than good. And yeah. you're here, you're here trying to navigate that space in your own in your own self and your personal journey, but also then you know help young people navigate theirs. But um, yeah, I'm a serious serious empath. <laughs> yeah. I could tell, I could definitely tell that you're an empath. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I'm pretty sure anyone listening would be like, "Wow, yes, she's definitely totally empath." Because I, I just, you know, I um. I guess cause I've navigated life and I have learned to put myself in other people's shoes and that's really what empathy is, right? So I guess empathy and the difference between empathy and sympathy is that empathy is putting yourself in a person's shoes and imagining what they would be thinking, doing, feeling. And then sympathy is being like, wow, yeah, that really sucks. And giving the person, you know, sympathy and, and saying, well, I, I don't know how you're physically feeling, but I can understand that that must be crap.
0: You know, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that was the
1: best description, but no, um,
0: absolutely. No, I think it was great. And I think like an empath, I would say, um, because you put yourself, sorry to add to that, like I would say that as an empath, because you do exactly what you said, you put yourself in those people's position and you kind of try to understand what they're feeling it can be a lot easier or you seem to carry that emotion for a lot longer. I personally think. Yeah. 100%. Would you, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something that you've had to learn, I guess over time to, or have any tactics around not carrying that for too long? Yeah, for sure.
1: And you're always learning, I guess, to, to do it quicker or slower in any different scenarios. Personally, this whole year I've t- completely wrote it off as like a healing year and, you know, I've actually gone back and I'm studying at the moment hopefully to better myself and to do something for me. I think my whole life I've taken care of other people and I've put myself in other people's shoes and I've taken on their stuff to try and figure out what they can do to better their life or and to, you know, have better outcomes in their life but then I've kind of neglected the things that I've really wanted to do and I think this year really has been a year of huge change for me in personal growth um, and then potentially, you know, in career growth because I'm taking the filling the cup process a lot, lot slower. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, normally I would have to, you know, I'd come home from work and I would either meditate or read a book or have a hot bath or something, you know, very simple self-care strategies that you can do that give you that simple fix that make you feel better in that time. But, um, you know, in the long run, there are some things that you do really need to take the time to actually allow yourself to heal. And, yeah, I have been really enjoying this process, I must admit. Yeah. It's, it's been, you know, I've tried different avenues, I've tried acupuncture and Chinese medicine, hypnotherapy, seeing psychics. Like it has been a very insightful place to sort of navigate. Um, You know, I've surprised myself in so many ways of what makes me feel good, what I don't like, um, what it true, what things trigger me. Like I didn't know some things triggered me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that you just have such a beautiful awareness of that now as well I think that's a huge part of anyone's journey and especially a healing journey is creating that awareness for exactly what you just said things that trigger you like being aware of what triggers you or what helps to make you feel like the best version of yourself or Mm. to understand yourself deeper like there's so much that goes into this work um and I yeah I I love that you're that you're diving into that. What's been some of your things that have fulfilled you the most or made you feel the best version of yourself? I spoke briefly, I guess, earlier in the podcast
1: about culture and I guess connecting to land and back on country. And I think the connection with land with Aboriginal people is so strong and so undermined and we we can learn so much by the knowledge that we can learn from elders about how they take care of the land and the land takes care of us like it's a reciprocal relationship and that was something that I learned this year and to really to the depth and core of like how it really does help, I guess, in like a science perspective as well.
0: Yeah, awesome.
1: But um, that has really helped me feel fulfilled in terms of you know when I, you know, we're or every day we're hustling, right? <laughs> and I love yeah. that you know this podcast is called the Healthy Hustlers because sometimes <laughs> we are hustling, but we are we really taking care of ourselves in the process, you know and. Sometimes we do need to look from the outside in and and sometimes we stop doing things that we love and that really does mean a lot to us. And I think for me, you know, every day I'm going to work, I'm exercising, playing footy, doing something. I forget that, you know, I'm not even touching the ground sometimes mm, in a yeah. physical sense like I'm not yep. putting my feet in the sand or in the ground and feeling it I'm just every day it's shoes and socks on go to the gym go to work and come inside and it, it's the same thing I know, I know that's so simple and this is a thing it, it's so simple but it has really helped me start feeling that that connection that I've lost so much. And I really, really suggest people who would be listening to this and I know um, if you're not spiritual or if you're not really on that level then this might sound a little bit weird but, uh, you know, if you ever get the chance to be close to some sort of park or nature or or beach, I really highly suggest just taking your shoes off and just like literally wriggling your toes in the dirt and the sand because Honestly, it, I felt that it always just makes me feel connected instantly. It, it's an instant connection that you have and it always makes me feel very fulfilled and very wholesome and grounded.
0: Amen to that. I'm like <laughs> just sitting here just like nodding along the whole time. Oh, it is <laughs> such, like you said, it's so simple but it is so, so powerful. I like, know personally I grew up – like 200 metres from the beach and something I really took for granted for so many years, I think. And, you know, in this hustle culture, working nine till five in all weekends in corporate for so many years and that really busy city life, I just was so disconnected to what made me feel so connected and to what grounded me again. And that's where the name The Healthy Hustlers came from was because, you know, exactly we can be busy and we can hustle and we can do all those things. But if we're not filling up our own cup and grounding ourselves and prioritizing our health and our well-being, then none of it really matters because, the hustle, we don't even get to enjoy the success of it because, you know, we're caught up in the chaos instead yeah. of just taking a step back and and nurturing our body and our minds. So I love going to, as soon as I get home and go no. to the beach, I literally just shoes off in the ocean, no matter how cold it is, and just have that water over your feet and your feet in the sand. And it it does, it completely just grounds you and centers you and, and just connects you so much, I think to yourself and to, I don't know, it just allows yeah, no, all those little
1: worries okay. to go away as well. Yeah. And know? I feel like even just in this whole COVID process, <laughs> actually I, I banned actually the word COVID <laughs> in my work, <laughs> so we're not actually not allowed to call it COVID. I don't, the kids come up with a random name sometimes just to like name it just for fun. But, yeah, I guess in this whole COVID process, you know, we are learning – because we are isolating and having to isolate I think we are appreciating that part a lot more um and I think that's a huge huge thing for every person in this world to learn how to do and you know we really do take things for granted and you know just the thought of just going to the beach sometimes like you think oh it's such an effort you gotta get in the car go drive to the beach you're gonna get sand everywhere but it's like (laughs) I think it's you know Now we're just like it doesn't take two seconds to think about it. And I know I really do feel for people that are in isolation and not having that opportunity, but I think, you know, everything will soon hopefully be back soon. And like I guess, you know, that'll be probably the first thing that most people do is go put
0: their yeah it would definitely the be the first thing i do and <laughs> yeah. i think even if you know like i'm in melbourne in the city and you can find a park where you can put your feet in grass and yeah. you know still find a way to feel connected that way like mm-hmm. sometimes i even find like it sounds so silly but just wearing no shoes in my house like i know it's it's not the same as actually touching nature but like you know yeah. we're so used to especially in melbourne in cold weather like slippers and socks and all these clothes like actually just having no shoes on for a little bit like is actually just really nice so I think finding all of those little things but I did listen to another podcast that you were on and you said Mm -hmm. and said on it that all you ever wanted was was to be happy and I'd love to know know what what happiness means to you I think in that
1: time I was there was so much happening in my life. I think it was it was pretty chaotic, and it was, I was really kind of finding what makes me happy and what I didn't want to do, and um, trying to navigate that space. But happiness for me means so many different things. Like I, personally, in my life now, I would say that I'm extremely happy, and I've never been. <laughs> A very miserable person. I've always, you know, looked on the brighter side. So, you know, I've always been quite happy. But I think happiness for me is being healthy, um, the first thing, if you're being physically healthy. And I think that also means, you know, being mentally healthy and then, you know, having your spiritual health and emotional health um, to support that. I think those are the folk, my, my huge they're like my core, um, to my happiness, you know, when I guess now at the moment I'm currently a little bit sick, you know, and it has really played on my mental health in a way that I haven't been able to be at the gym and be full capacity because I'm not feeling the best. And I think you have to have that acceptance that, you know, it's just a temporary thing. Um, and you know, it does make you unhappy, but overall, I think happiness for me is just really being healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, Mm. Um, being connected to my family and culture obviously as huge ones as well but you know now being single (laughs) not to drop that in there but I think (laughs) you know I was chasing some a different type of happiness I think I was chasing a happiness that that someone really had to fulfill for me and yeah. I can honestly say that this year and now that, you know, I'm still on this healing journey that I am really happy with being by myself, alone, single with my dog. Like I could live alone. I've always lived with people, but I could happily live alone. And <laughs> I don't know that doesn't sound very <laughs> attractive in that way, like, you know, living by yourself, sad or something, but I, I mean like really be happy with yourself and the space and the energy that you give out and you get back. So, you know, I was seeking that different happiness but now I'm just really quite content and happy with where I'm going and and then potentially, you know, you manifest the things that you want in your life when you're happy.
0: Yeah, it's so true. You emulate such a different energy when you're in, I think the word contentment says so much. To me, like I feel like contentment is absolutely when you're in alignment and and in happiness because you're not seeking it from anyone else. Like you were saying, you're you're not seeking it from a relationship. You're not having an expectation on anyone else to bring that about except for yourself. And I think that I personally believe that you're exactly, you know, on the right path of happiness because that's when if you can fulfill it in yourself like that's where it truly lies it's can't be fulfilled from another person or a relationship or a, a materialistic item it's it's definitely something that has to be to be found and filled up in yourself first so i'm so glad that you're feeling that and i think it's yeah it's really beautiful that, that that's happening at the moment
1: thank you yeah it's like i said it's been it's such a been a crazy journey you know so I guess the last two years of my life have been, I guess before the show, um, going on batchy was pretty chaotic, and then post batchy yeah. was even more chaotic, and then then I decided to do Paradise and film that, met my boyfriend or ex boyfriend, and then was you know waiting for it to air in a in a relationship, and then being in a relationship for you know sixteen months, it was. It was a very intense. It's been a very intense couple of years, and I think I really neglected myself in that way of what really does make me happy, and yeah. and what and you're right. What does even happiness mean? Because I think for mm. anyone, it is such an individual thing, and you know, what makes people happy in different ways might you know might not necessarily mean what makes you happy, but. Yeah. As long as you are so content and you are, you can sort of, I, I really admi- admire that women specifically, I guess, I really admire women who can be so independent and not heavily reliant on societal pressures of being in a relationship mm. with, with someone and, and i'm not going into relationship more so but i'm just that's just an example
0: but you know no definitely i there think is, it's it's so true
1: yeah you know there's just there's just so many pressures of you have to be in a relationship to be happy it's like well no you know and then even when you are single and you you're happy people question your happiness and it's like, no, I'm really actually really happy by myself with my dog.
0: (laughs) I love that. And I think, you know, exactly what you said, like there's so many different things or facets that come into play with happiness and everyone's looks different. And that's why I loved that you touched on your health as well as like spirituality because that's mm. obviously something that contributes to your overall happiness. And, and I'm exactly the same there. Like that's definitely something that I have to be investing in to feel really happy and fulfilled is my, my spirituality. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm loving diving into that a little bit more. Do you have a, a spiritual practice that you use or what are some of your kind of nice. go-to's?
1: I guess I try different avenues. I guess you've probably gathered that I do really like variety. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) I do definitely go on tangents. So I do apologize people that I've, um, I've gone on any, you know, long tangent. But spirituality for me is just really just like opening a door to endless opportunities. Like spirituality means so many, like, again, like happiness. It just means such a different thing to different people. And I guess some of the things that I've really, you know, navigated, like, you know, you could do I love burning incense, I love smells, I love oils, all that stuff really makes me happy and makes me feel connected, you know, and that that's part of I guess, you know, your spiritual journey. But I think, you know, if I can offer anything to people who would be listening, is really to nut out what your social emotional well being looks like. And I use, I guess, picture it as a wheel. No, maybe a pizza because I I love food. Oh, yeah, I would. I love pizza too. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, just imagine all these pieces of this pizza are are little things that make up you. So whether they're things that you you love um, or things that make you happy or things that, you know, the things that you value. So, you know, part of my social emotional well being is obviously, I, you know, connecting with family, land, culture, you know, being physically well. So, like, doing the things that I love. I love footy. Like, footy would be in my social emotional well being because it's a part of me, it's like ingrained in me. Um, and everyone's social emotional well being would be so different. And I think I really highly suggest if you are listening to this and you haven't really nutted out what that means to you, I feel like just. Draw a big circle, you know, write a huge list of all the things that mean to you, make you happy, and then just put it in a wheel and then that's what makes you, you. And then when things are sort of, you know, getting low, it's about filling it up again. So like yes. separating it and being like, oh, well, this, this pizza, you know, um, this slice used to be, I would say it's very small. I haven't really taken too much attention to it. Let's, you know, fill it up, whether that's connecting to your spirituality or whether it's connecting to your health again.
0: I love that so much. I think that's such a beautiful takeaway. And I've honestly just adored chatting to you, Brooke. You are such a beautiful, beautiful soul. Thank yeah. you so much for Thank your time you. today. <laughs> I know the audience is honestly going to get so much from that. It was such a, such a lovely chat. So I really appreciate your time. Um, if anyone would like to continue to follow your journey, where can they find you?
1: Um, my Instagram is obviously the most I'm active on, um, which is just Brooke brooke.bleton.
0: Love it. Oh, thank you so much for your time and I will speak to you soon. Awesome. Thanks Maddie. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.